This is David Pizarro from Cornell University, co-host of the Very Bad Wizards podcast, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. I also never smoke crack. That's the stuff. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This very special episode 370 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, the lovely and talented other host of the show, Brittany Page. You know, I love how we admonished the audience to get their flu shot, and I still haven't gotten my flu shot. Hmm. And You know, that information didn't have to be broadcast. That's true, but now it has. Now it has. But it's it's a way to hold myself accountable because I feel like <laughs> I need to I need to remedy this quick. Listener Marcus will be non none to please. <laughs> none to please. I'm sure. So let me can I talk about something before we get started? Yes. A rhetorical question. Of course I could talk about something before we get started. Well, a lot, a lot. Brittany has been sent videos mm-hmm. for a long time, is what I meant to say, as I stumble and stutter my way through the 370th numbered episode. Uh huh. <laughs> but you get, oftentimes, you get sent videos of raccoons. Yeah, all the time. Because you have this weird, irrational. It's not weird and it's not irrational. Fear. Yeah. Of. Raccoons. Yes, they are ferocious beasts. Raccoons. Uh-huh. As as you as, as some say. I guess. The raccoons. Yeah. <laughs> um anyway, we, we were talking about this the other day. Uh-huh. And you My told fear. you told me a story yeah. that I'd never heard before, mm-hmm. which is bizarre. I thought I'd heard all your stories. Mm. Ten times each. Wow. <laughs> Pretty, pretty hateful. Yeah, it's really hateful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, tell us the story of, I believe, that is the origin story of your irrational, deep-seated, deep-rooted fear of raccoons. Okay, so when I was a teenager... I want raccoons to start catching on. I don't know if it will. I don't <laughs> think it will. Um, when I was a teenager... It's like Wednesday. Yeah. It's the Wednesday raccoon hour. Okay. <laughs> So uh, at least I amuse myself. That's really what matters. When my dad peaced out, uh, my mom was not too uh, familiar with taking care of the lawn. And so our backyard. Uh, that is an understatement. Our backyard was not. Uh, it was like care a welfare of. wheat field. Yeah, it was not good. It was very bad. <laughs> Um, and it just kind of turned into, like you said, a wheat field. I mean, it, it really was like very tall weeds. You, we didn't go back there. It was not a good place to be. We didn't go back there. Yeah. We just don't look out there. Just ignore it. And uh, one day. Your neighbors, because you lived in a subdivision, probably 
really loved you guys. They did not for many reasons. <laughs> for many reasons. Um, <laughs> but we'll stick to the raccoons for now. So Yeah, let's save the story of your dad having you stain the backyard fence with used motor oil Yes, for another time. Yeah, not... <laughs> yeah, okay. That was... It was a very lovely paint color. I don't oh, know I'm why. Sure it was. Yeah, we should have painted the house in that color as well. <laughs> Um, so I was, I was sleeping one day and I woke up to terrible thrashing and fighting noises. And I was like, holy shit, where's this coming from? So I, uh, ran to the window and I look in the backyard and these two giant raccoons are full on brawling in the backyard. And I mean in the welfare wheat field. Yes, and I mean like hashtag welfare wheat throwing wheatfield. each other and like like WWE. Yeah, getting each other in chokeholds, and <laughs> I, it was it was really intense. Um, they are ferocious little bastards, and they were they were huge though, and they had giant claws, and they were angry looking with their teeth, and it was they're dumpster diving trash pandas. They they get fat. I was watching this. And I was thinking, oh, my God, the backyard is now infested with creatures that are <laughs> fighting. And this is getting worse. You knew there were raccoons, though, right? Uh, I think I figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. And ever since that day, I have been terrified of them because, I mean, I was watching them just pound each other and with their claws. And it just seemed out of control. And their fierce little raccoon teeth. Yes. And and so number 1 waking up out of my peaceful sleep hearing the fighting and the the craziness I think added to the trauma but then also witnessing the giant creatures and of course looking back on this it was probably not as big of a they deal were as probably I'm making it out to be. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I mean I I witnessed a murder as well. Let's just say <laughs> No, I, I didn't. Um, I could have, probably. It was probably... Well, it didn't help. to happen. When a few years ago, we had one... Uh-huh. Up on a a, a platform yes. where you go upstairs to go up onto the deck. Yes. And... It was on the stairs. You were going up the stairs to go up onto the deck, and yeah. it was trapped, because there's only one way up and well, one way down. whatever. You don't try to... Uh, place your explanation onto what the raccoon was thinking it you don't know what the raccoon was thinking okay well neither do you so don't try to say it was i trapped. know how it acted okay, and i know yeah, it was they, scared shitless it was I running know how it acted too. and freaking out trying to get off of the deck oh, oh yeah yeah i know how it <laughs> acted too and the way that it acted was it charged at me and tried to take off my face that's what happened yeah this is outrageous. It is outrageous. You're trying to explain away and defend some raccoon you don't even know. <laughs> like I know. Look, I know lots of raccoons, and I some of my best friends are raccoons. I know. Brittany. What the hell is this? <laughs> that I don't even know. This is unbelievable. Whose so side now are you, you on? Carried, you've carried this this fear of raccoons with you all around. Well, yeah, I witnessed the fighting and then I got charged by one. I literally had to run away from it. And then it didn't help that our friend Bren Yes. of Liar City Yeah, actually fame, got attacked by one. Got viciously fucking attacked. And had to go to the hospital. Yeah, like uh, in globulin or whatever the, the rabies juice that they have to like dip you in to get rid of the, the filth. I don't know what it is, but I should know. 
I should be aware. No good. Yeah. So stay away from them. Don't take a video feeding them snacks. Oh, that's, snacks. That, that's what sparked this, is that video of that lady. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm from Nebraska. Yeah. Well, I, I always get tagged in these videos where the a human is, quote unquote, playing with the raccoon. And of course, we never see how it ends. It always stops mid, quote unquote, playing. And we also had that's because the person dies. We also had Braddock Basket on briefly on the show mm-hmm. as a guest. The guy who filmed himself like getting bitten or something. Right. Like, something happened. Yeah. I, I should remember it more. But anyway, Brittany, he is freaked out by raccoons. So what are you going to do? Yeah. So keep sending me the videos. Uh, it just gives me more ammunition. It makes me more prepared for my next encounter. So I know what not to do. So amazing. All right. Well, let's let's move on. We got a, uh, just a, a smattering of voicemails to get to before we move on with the rest of the show. Uh, let's start with Meg in Arkansas. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Meg from Arkansas. I just wanted to comment on the changing tables in men's bathrooms from episode 369. Um, I am the aunt of three beautiful little girls, and their dads are very active in their lives, including one with a very active stepdad. Long story. But if they're out in public with one of my nieces, and there's no changing table... They're forced to change the baby wherever they can, which can actually get really disgusting if you think about it. Nah, it sounds great. Um, <laughs> and out here in the boonies, we don't have as many unisex bathrooms as I'd like. But having those changing tables for dads that are actually very, very active in their kids' lives is a really, really big thing. For me, it's it's right up there with the free tampons. Like, have some accessibility, and and it, it really is an issue. If if you if you've not been exposed, you wouldn't know necessarily, Jesse. So it's not, or or Brittany, it's it's not necessarily something you would have known. But it is a big deal, and I hope that that spreads a little further east and nationwide because that's really freaking cool. Um, I can't wait to tell my brothers-in-law about that. So, but anyway, I've got a lot more to say, but it's not organized right now. So, love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Thank you for the call. I think you had said, Jesse, that you were familiar or that you thought this was already a thing. Because yeah, you've I, seen them. I see them all over the place. Yeah. And so maybe there is some sort of difference um, demographically. <laughs> um, well, like California is more progressive. Right, right. right. But they did pass a law saying that it needs to be in malls and things like this. So obviously they are missing in some areas. I, I was going to say to Meg's point that it moving east doesn't mean that it's going to make it to Arkansas. You know what I mean? It might just bypass the South altogether like a lot of progressive policy. Well, what a fascinating... And worm its way up through Illinois and around. What a fascinating thing that changing tables have historically been in female bathrooms. Yeah, in women's restrooms. No fucking sense. What are you going to do? Lay your kid out in the fucking dirty toilet seat? Prop it into the urinal? Like it's a, like it's a lounge chair? Well, it's this idea that the woman does all that. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird. It's, it is weird. <laughs> and now it's 2018. 
It is 2018. Mm -hmm. Thanks for the call, Meg. We appreciate it. And, you know, we agree with you. If I was being flippant, it's more, you know. It's because you've you've seen it all already. You've already seen it. You didn't know it was a problem. Eh, Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, All right. Uh, The next couple calls were about our intro segment last time where we talked about our terrible experience with watching Star Wars. Before that, we have an email um, along the same lines as this topic. All right. Related to the Taking Care of Biz segment. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. Glad to hear the shout out regarding the menstrual hygiene products in California schools. I've often thought that someday some savvy politician will run on a platform that includes subsidizing menstrual products for his, her constituents on a global scale. Seems like they would secure half the population's vote straight away. And anyway, people need to be less apprehensive to utter words like tampon, period, and maxi pad. Eee, gross. <laughs> the company <laughs> the company where I work, a small place you may recognize called Johnson & Johnson, provides baskets of tampons and pads in every restroom that women use. It's next to the candy bowl. How do I know, you ask, as a male? Because we have many single, whole, unisex restrooms, and in each of them is the basket of goods. I salute this progressive move as a person who loves many people that experience menstruation. (laughs) I am all for menstrual products being universally free, right along with any form of birth control a a person wishes to use. Keep on doing what you're doing. We love you, Adam. Wow. Adam, thank you. Uh, That struck me as funny as someone who has many friends who experience menstrual cycles. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. He said that people should be more comfortable saying tampon, pad, and period. I always see these advertisements in my Facebook feed for these period underwear. Um, they're so you don't need a tampon or, or pad. You, it, It's just underwear that stores the blood. Hmm. And they have... Um, Gross, by the way. They have... And save your emails because having blood in your underwear no. is gross. No, no, it's this special underwear that soaks it in to it under the layer that's touching you and into a between layer. It's it's like a technology. Yeah, that's that's gross. It's still gross. Okay, well, it's better than a pad. It's like a diaper. A baby wearing a diaper is fucking gross. It's yeah. gross. It's, okay. walking around in a, in its, it's walking around in its own piss and shit. That's fucking I'm, gross. I'm going to send you the video. because uh, No, thank you. I and I'm going uh, to send the shit out of that video. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But anyway, let me get to my point. The um, ad that they run uses uh, blood in the visual. And in the uh, in the tampon commercials, you see... Like blue liquid uh, and yeah, shit. It's, oh, yeah, it's... Oh, yeah. the butterflies flying. <laughs> and I think I'm stealing that joke. That's Every, from that's somewhere else. That's Louis C.K., by yeah. the way. And, um, well, at least I'm giving credit. I right. I recognized in the moment that that wasn't my original thought. Um, you just can't get away from quoting Louis C.K. No, damn it. <laughs> um, but women comment on these ads, and they're like... This is too much. Why are you showing this? This is gross. And so even women have this reaction to discussing or um, talking about the terms and yeah, yeah, yeah. being realistic about it and what it is. Well, and- when I say gross, I don't mean like, oh, gross, period. I just mean it's a bodily fluid. It's I know it's biological and it's normal. Yeah. But it's still, it's fucking blood. It's blood. Like... I- I don't it's not because it's a period blood it's you know if you walk mm-hmm. if you're walking around and you see a guy with a gash in his arm and it's bleeding it's like ah fuck that guy's bleeding that's 
<laughs> it's that's gross. It's it's yeah. blood. It's, no, I totally understand what you're saying. Like with these artists, these women, they they like take pictures of themselves, and I get what they're doing. I understand that they're trying to destigmatize that. Look, all women have periods, and but they'll like take pictures of themselves in their in their underwear with like period blood stains, and and then if if, if a dude says, "Oh, that's gross," oh, what do you mean it's gross? That's natural. Yeah, it's still fucking. If it was a shit stain on underwear, it's still fucking. It's gross. I get what they're doing. Yeah. I don't know where we got here. Well, you feel really passionate about this. Thanks a That's lot, Adam. Obvious. Um, Some I, of our listeners are just dicks. Yeah. <laughs> I. My yeah was not in agreement. I just was responding. No, you agree. I know. I I get what you're saying, and I understand how passionate you feel about this. No. I'm not passionate. I just get irritated. No, I know, but I think where I think where Adam is coming from is that there's a lot of shame surrounding it too. And I actually wanted to address this uh, when we talked about it in the Taking Care of Biz segment, which is um, in countries like India, girls actually forego an education altogether because they do not have access to tampons and pads. Yeah, sure. And because they're stigmatized, having a period is something that they feel shame. Yeah. Um, for for experiencing and. The Bible. The Bible's all filled with that, where the women have to be banished for seven days to clean and that, themselves. That happens yeah. in, in countries still where they have to go like live in a outhouse on the property that they live in and they have to bleed in an outhouse and it's just weird. Um no one can be around them. And you know, this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about that needs to go away. Yeah, I and I don't want to continue that. I'm not. It's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying. Oh, well, you're continuing. No, it, someone's sir. walking around with <laughs> snot drizzling out of their nose. Blow your nose, dude. That's fucking gross. It's no different. It's no different. Anyway, I, was, I know I, I for sure got myself in trouble here. I was taking a drink, but so. I stand by what I said. I still I feel the way I feel, and it's. I don't think it's. Uh, I want to stigmatize women's menstruation. Uh, it's a fucking natural thing. There's a lot of natural shit that's gross. Sorry to say. It is what it is. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, God. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. Whoa, this is whoa, Brandon whoa. From Did he not know who, who, who he was calling? You know, it's a new year, and we're trying to figure things out still. <laughs> Brandon in Georgia. Things How feel dare unfamiliar. You, sir. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. This is Brandon from Georgia. I'm just calling in for a little funny thing um, from your last episode where Jesse was uh, talking about how he felt kind of bad about shush shushing that uh, little hell spawn in the Star Wars movie, which... Honestly, you don't need to feel bad, Jesse, because if, uh, if that was happening while I was seeing Star Wars, at least the first time I went to see it, I probably would have eaten that child in front of his father. Like Chewbacca <laughs> wow. and the Porgs kind of situation there. So, all in all, I think you, uh, you had a very reasonable response just shushing them, and it worked out because they shushed. Anyway, guys, uh, love you guys. Love the show. And uh, Brittany's the best part. Love Michelle. Brittany's the best part. So Bye. do you remember feeling like you needed to apologize for no. what you did? Like you felt bad about it? No, I, I may have. I don't remember exactly what I expressed because that's such a, you know, we're just talking about it. Um, but, but, but I may have said something like, ah, I don't want to scare the kid. Because like you mentioned, it's not the kid's fault that 
you know, he's acting like a kid. He's a goddamn right. kid. Right. Um, so I didn't want to like t- traumatize the kid, but I wanted him to know, hey, unacceptable. Your kid, your dad's not going to be doing his goddamn job. I'm going to step in and be a <laughs> surrogate. Oh, my God. With a violent shushing. Yeah. I, yeah, that's probably what he was picking up on because I did have that concern. And that is what prevented me from saying anything because I just imagined... Hey, be quiet. And then the kid starts. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, then you're all totally. The yeah, the wor- then I need to leave because <laughs> everyone is going to turn on me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I, I'm surprised we have one more voicemail on this, but I'm surprised we didn't get any negative feedback mm-hmm. from, you know, parents who take up for the guy. Like, oh, he's in a situation. He can't blah, whatever. Well, that's because I think that people recognize you don't have to go see Star Wars with a two year old. Not in the evening showing. You want to do it? Go at 10 a.m., dude. Yeah. Also, go to the go to the rows where you have to, like, hurt your neck. To see the right. the screen, the kid's not getting into it anyway. Yeah, just go down there. He can tr- trance around in his goddamn light up shoes all day long. And by the way, if you do choose to sit down there, stay off your phone because again, I can see everything you're doing. Yeah, we that and was, I might even come down there one day. That and was happening. Tell you to please stop. And it was Instagram. We could see from where we were sitting. It was Snapchat as well. And now and Snapchat. I try. I try to ignore it because it. Uh, uh, you a little. You get a little fiery. You get a little, 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 little angry. Mm. All right. Next call on this. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. This is Idra from Maryville. I was listening to the latest episode, and I'm in my car on the way to work, busting up laughing because I experience this type of behavior with kids and adults all the time. Um, the last experience I had was my husband and I went and see Justice League, and this lady next to him kept constantly texting and kicking him. And then at one point in the movie, she started taking pictures and videotaping the movie. So I waited until a scene in the movie got really, really quiet. And I yelled out to her, you know, that's pirating, right? Nice. Yeah, let's just say they were very upset and they left (laughs) the movie theater. They didn't get to see the rest of the movie. Um, They were just hitting my husband, doing it. It was just so obnoxious. And the... When I said that the people around me just started busting up laughing, it was hilarious. To this day, I don't regret it. But yes, this happens everywhere where kids come in and they're loud and adults are just as loud and obnoxious as well. So, Jesse, you did the right thing. All right, you guys. Have a happy new year. Bye. We need more. More of this behavior is what we need. You mean uh, more affirmation of... Of, your, of our behavior? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need more people agreeing with the way we do deal with things. No, but you're <laughs> right. We do need more people that are out there correcting people. <laughs> no, we do need that. You know why? Is because people who live in fear of being called out on their shit are going to be thinking about that. Well, also people, they really might just be unaware and they might not know mm, until I don't know until they're checked. Well, I that's the feeling that I got with this guy in the movie theater. That after you shushed him, that's when he stopped repeating things back to the kid, encouraging him to say things out loud. He might have really thought, "Oh, people are going to be cool with this and think it's cute or something." Like that might have been what he thought. If someone's actually coming in like, yeah, I'm going to be a dick and everyone's going to get pissed. You know, what kind of person is that? Yeah, that seems some, weird. Someone, I think it was in the, the Dollamore, the listener discussion group. Um, 
And they were saying that they they go to horror movies mm-hmm. and people always like, oh, don't go in there. And they always like, there's uh, always one asshole who thinks he's the funny guy. No. And yeah, fuck those people, man. They need to be called out on their shit. Yeah. They do. Yeah. We need more of that in 2018. <laughs> wow. I don't think that um, Larry David would disagree with you. All right. Moving on. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Linda. Linda! Is our latest Patreon supporter. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Um, For those of you looking for other ways to support the show, you can shop on Amazon at dollamore.com slash Amazon. It costs you nothing extra. You just shop and buy all of the regular things that you love to buy, and we get a little something back if you follow that link. And for those of you who um, are supporting on Patreon at the $10 and above level, don't forget about the live stream. We send out that link through Patreon. So if you're wondering how to get it, check your Patreon messages or check the email that you use to sign up for Patreon. And at Sundays at 6 p.m. Los Angeles time, you will have a link to watch the live stream of the show. And a chatty chat in the chat. Yeah, you get to chat with other listeners that are watching. We uh, typically aren't able to uh, do the chat because we're doing the show. But afterward, we come back on to the live stream and um, take any questions that you guys have and hang out with you for a little bit. Yeah, we're there for the beginning a little bit, too. Yeah, so that's always a fun time. Good, so we, good time. We appreciate all the support. It means a lot to us and it allows us to keep on doing what we're doing. So thank you. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Just tonight, just this evening, new news about Jeff Sessions. What? I just I I cannot believe that it is been a big week. (laughs) It's January fourth. Yeah. And there has just been so much news already. Insane, insane amount. There's so much stuff that we're not going to talk about. Because we're not going to be able to. Well, luckily, we're doing another show here in a couple days. Oh, yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. Well, uh, enough is going to break tomorrow. Well, don't say that. What? Yeah, hopefully we get a break or something. Get a bro- We need shit to talk about. Well, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. No, I know, but I like the, the, the choice cuts. Mm. USDA Prime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I do know what you mean. The yeah. latest is about Jeff Sessions, and the New York Times has revealed that Donald Trump ordered White House lawyer Don McGahn, who's not Donald Trump's lawyer. He represents the White House. He represents the presidency. White House counsel. That is right. He's not like some local yokel... You know, wider mustached Ty Cobb. He. This is a a storied position that professional men and women have had. He has was ordered to pressure Jeff Sessions 
to not recuse himself. The New York Times reporting tonight that President Trump told the White House's top lawyer to stop the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, from recusing himself from the Russia investigation. White House counsel Donald McGahn, according to the Times, carried out the president's orders and asked Sessions to remain in charge of the inquiry. As, of course, we know, Sessions uh, did not listen. The Times says that upon hearing that, that Sessions was going to recuse himself, the president erupted in anger in front of numerous White House officials, saying he needed his attorney general to protect him. Special counsel Bob Mueller has learned about this incident as he investigates whether President Trump obstructed the FBI's Russia inquiry. The New York Times, Michael Schmidt reporting, um, and I, and I want to read this uh, because it, the, the way he wrote this first sentence is important. President Trump gave firm instructions in March to the White House's top lawyer, stop the Attorney General Jeff Sessions from recusing himself uh, in the Justice Department investigation into Russia. So it's interesting that he said he needed his attorney general to protect him. Protect him from what? He's talked about this before, where he said that he um, had hoped that Jeff Sessions would be like an Eric Holder was. Yeah, or Roy Cohn, who who protected McCarthy. Yeah, he also referenced um, Robert F. Kennedy. Yeah. And it's interesting that when he heard about this, he was so angry and his initial reaction was anger and uh, I need him to protect me in front of a bunch of people. He can't even like keep it on the DL yeah, and like well, go somewhere else. And I think power is an intoxicating force. And he believes he's beyond these people thinking he's an idiot that he thinks he thinks they revere him or something. Or aren't going to talk about it. But this is a big deal. Uh, this is gonna this is gonna break over the next couple days through the weekend and into next week, and is going to be uh, a major thing because it points to where his head was and is going to lead Robert Mueller right down a path toward obstruction of justice. Well, and this was uh, previously unreported. Yeah, brand new information. And um, another another episode that the New York Times talks about in this article is that um, Donald Trump described the Russia investigation as, quote, fabricated and politically motivated. And a letter that he was going to send to Comey at the time. And they stopped him from sending it because mm. they, uh, <laughs> they said, hey, uh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Don't send him a letter like telling him that the Russia investigation is politically yeah, motivated. Yeah, you want to pull him into the office and send Jeff Sessions out and have a private thing that you can deny. Don't put it on paper, dummy. Right? I mean, to, to that, Comey. Yeah, right. No, I, that's why he pulled him into the into the Oval Office and sent everybody out. Yes, I think you said Sessions. Oh, well, like sent Sessions out. Yeah, sorry. Also, in this New York Times reporting. Quote, the special counsel has received handwritten notes from Mr. Trump's former chief of staff, Reince Priebus, showing that Mr. Trump talked to Mr. Priebus about how he had called Mr. Comey to urge him to say publicly that he was not under investigation. The president's determination to fire James Comey even led one White House lawyer to take the extraordinary step of misleading Mr. Trump about whether he had the authority to remove him. All huge, huge news. Again, just it, it blazes a trail through the woods toward obstruction of justice because they need to prove intent with obstruction of justice. Yeah, and I I think what's interesting about this is it continues to 
reinforce what we already know about yeah. Donald Trump or what we already hear. And the reports that he tries to discredit by saying, well, these are anonymous sources saying this. You can't trust anonymous sources um, about how he refuses to listen. He can't take direction. He doesn't know what's going on. He explodes in anger. Yeah. You have these people that are like lying to him <laughs> to try to get him to stop himself from incriminating to himself. save him from himself. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise he's just going to charge forward and make terrible decisions because he really is a fucking dumb guy. So and if he didn't have all these people trying to protect him from making bad decisions, this seems like it would have been solved a couple months ago. <laughs> right. uh, maybe. Right, I don't know. right, right. <laughs> He would have DM'd something to Comey and it would have gone yeah. public. He'd accidentally go, oh, I meant to DM that. Oops. Yeah, he just sends him a text. <laughs> you know? Fucking idiot. Oh, Drew, where are you? <laughs> so amazing. So uh, the other thing that broke, and we're going to follow that, like I said, uh, that, that's that's <laughs> it's going to break on. It's going to continue to develop. We're going to find out a whole bunch more. That's going to be a big, big story. But the other thing that is huge is the fact that this book is coming out called Fire and the Fire and Fury. Fire and Fury inside the White House, inside the Trump White House by Michael Wolf. Yeah, Michael Wolf with two Fs. Uh and it is filled chock chock full of quotes from all kinds of administration officials. Uh chief among them Steve Bannon who did not hold back. President Trump firing back today at his former chief strategist, Steve Bannon, recalling a 2016 meeting in Trump Tower between campaign officials and a Russian lawyer, treasonous and unpatriotic. In a blistering statement, the president said, Steve Bannon had nothing to do with me or my presidency. When he was fired, he not only lost his job, he lost his mind. The extraordinary war of words broke out over a new book, Fire and Fury, inside the Trump White House part of which were reported today by The Guardian and New York Magazine. Bannon taking direct aim at Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort, all of whom met with a Russian lawyer offering dirt on Hillary Clinton's campaign. The three senior guys in the campaign thought it was a good idea to meet with a foreign government inside Trump Tower in the conference room on the 25th floor, with no lawyers, Bannon reportedly says in the book. Even if you thought this was not treasonous or unpatriotic or bad expletive, and I happen to think it's all of that, you should have called the FBI immediately. Bannon went on to say, they're going to crack Don Jr. like an egg on national TV. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders dismissed the book as trashy tabloid fiction and described the president's reaction like this. I think um, furious, disgusted would probably certainly fit when you uh, make such outrageous claims and completely false claims against the president, uh, his administration, and his family. The explosive comments from Bannon undermine a White House effort to downplay and discredit the investigation into election meddling and potential Russian collusion with the Trump campaign. You realize where this is going, this is all about money laundering, Bannon reportedly says in the book. Their path to expletive Trump goes right through Paul Manafort, Don Jr., and Jared Kushner. It's as plain as a hair on your face. In unusually personal terms, the president blasted Bannon, his former advisor, saying he's only in it for himself. The book, written by journalist Michael Wolf, also has strong words for the president's daughter, Ivanka Trump, and Kushner, her husband. Jared and Ivanka decided to accept roles in the West Wing over the advice of almost everyone they knew. The two had made an earnest deal. If sometime in the future the opportunity arose, she'd be the one to run for president. 
the first woman president Ivanka entertained would not be Hillary Clinton. It would be Ivanka Trump. Ugh, yikes. So obviously there has been a lot of controversy about this book. Apparently Michael Wolff is not the most reputable character. Hmm. Um, but he had access to the White House. And apparently like unfettered access at the invitation of Steve Bannon and not um object objected to by by Donald Trump. Yeah, so apparently he wrote something about Donald Trump that Donald Trump really liked. And Michael Wolf says that he had a phone conversation where he asked Donald Trump if he could uh, cover the White House, come and just hang out, and that he didn't say no. Uh, <laughs> but he he didn't say yes, but he ended up there anyway. He ended up there like a lot and like just hanging out on couches, listening to conversations. Exactly. And apparently there's reams of audio interviews. So there's a lot of audio to this too that could be corroborate some of the claims that are made because it's not just him. Oh, they said that. It's He has shit to back it up. Yeah. Apparently. So... so- when you hear Sarah Huckabee Sanders saying, you know, don't trust this guy. This isn't a good situation. Everything in here is fabricated. This is just a tabloid. Yeah. Well, why was he there then? I mean, honestly, why yeah. wasn't anyone like, wait a minute, who are you? And why are you sitting around listening to everything and writing everything down? How did down? you get into the White House? Yeah. Or, <laughs> I mean, why isn't anyone trying to figure that out? Yeah. Well, now- because he was there. At the invitation of a high-level official, the chief strategist. You mean the staffer? Yeah, the sta- <laughs> let's get into that. That's a great That's a great segue. I want to talk about this statement, this defiant statement by Donald Trump that starts out, statement from the President of the United States. Steve Bannon has nothing to do with me or my presidency. When he... Uh, no, this is how we're going to do this. <laughs> We're going to read and then I'm going to talk about all the things that don't fucking add up. And that that first line is ridiculous. Steve Bannon has nothing to do with me or my presidency except for the fact that he was the CEO of your campaign when you were elected to the presidency of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. He was your chief campaign strategist. And then you made him your chief political strategist within the White House. To say he had nothing to do with you or your presidency, Donald Trump, is fucking wholesale bullshit. When he was fired, he not only lost his job, he lost his mind. I have no issue with that. Steve was a staffer who worked for me after I had already won the nomination by defeating 17 candidates, often described as the most talented field ever assembled in the Republican Party. Uh, First of all, again... Capitalization and punctuation errors all the way through this goddamn document. But Steve was a staffer. Come on. What are we doing here? What kind of game are we trying to play? Mike Flynn, the man you handpicked to be the national security advisor. Oh, he's a liar. Oh, my God. You knew that when you hired him. He had been fired previously by Obama for being a fucking a loose cannon, a rogue, if you will. You knew what kind of a guy he was when you hired him. You knew he lied, and then two weeks later, once it was public that he lied, then he, he had to go. Paul Manafort, 
He had little to do with the campaign. He was only with us a short time. He also was the chairman of your campaign. George Papadopoulos, a coffee boy, who's having drinks, getting hammered with foreign <laughs> diplomats. That's not what coffee boys do. Mm. So you can't... A real powerful you coffee can't, boy. Yeah, you can't mitigate the role of Steve Bannon... By calling him a staffer, you ding dong. And then, is it just me or does Donald Trump have to just jerk himself off? He's breaking <laughs> his wrist, jerking his dick. Oh, I defeated 17 candidates often described as the most talented field ever assembled in the Republic. Get know, the fuck out of here. Sarah Huckabee Sanders repeated that line during the press conference today. Ugh. It was truly remarkable. And like you're saying, I mean, he is essing his own D. It's in. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's not going to be a statement without that element. Well, really let you know he did have a hand in crafting this goddamn thing. Now that he is on his own, Steve is learning that winning isn't as easy as I make it look. <laughs> Steve had very little to do with our historic victory, mm. which was delivered by the forgotten men and women of this country. Yet Steve had everything to do with a loss of a Senate seat in Alabama held for more than 30 years by Republicans. Steve doesn't represent my base. He's only in it for himself. Steve absolutely represents Donald Trump's base. Steve Bannon represents what is left of, of Donald Trump's base. That thirty that that ever evaporating thirty two percent that I talk about is Steve Bannon. It is largely khakis, white polos, and tiki torches. Those are his people. That America first hashtag white nationalist movement. That is because of Steve Bannon. Now, not all of that thirty two percent are white supremacists and racists. But a, 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 a dramatic percentage of Donald Trump's base are made up of that kind of ilk, the Breitbart reader, who is Steve Bannon. And for Donald Trump to say that Steve had everything to do with the loss of the Senate seat in Alabama, Donald Trump endorsed Roy Moore. Was Sev tweeting about him. Several tweets, go vote Roy Moore. Yep. You can't pin that on some random when you endorse the candidate who lost. Stood in front of the White House, in front of the press line before he got on the the wherever he was going, flying, um, to defend him. Saying, yes. well, he denied the allegations, so that's it. You know, he said he didn't do it. What do you guys want? And then Rich to say, Steve doesn't represent my base. He's only in it for himself. You're only in it for yourself, Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, and that's the that's the unfortunate part of this is that he he gets away with this because he doesn't have to answer to the media. Yeah. Because even as you saw today with the press conference, he appeared on a little TV, little TV screens behind Sarah Huckabee Sanders. He wouldn't even come out. He can't even come out. He's a coward. And take questions. So let's get back to the statement. Yes. Steve pretends to be at war with the media, which he calls the opposition party. Yet he spent his time at the White House leaking false information to the media to make himself seem far more important than he was. It is the only thing he does well. Steve was rarely... Ah, hang on. We're going to talk about that. Seems to me Donald Trump knew this entire time 
that Steve Bannon was the leaker. Mm. If that's the case. But if that's the case, then why the fuck did you keep him around? Again, bad decision making on the part of Donald Trump. It seems like making excuses now when before you were happy with his behavior, you were happy, happy enough that you made him a, a permanent seat on the National Security Council. The first time that a political person had a permanent, that high level of seat on the National Security Council. Come the fuck on. Steve was rarely in a one-on-one meeting with me and only pretends to have had influence to fool a few people with no access and no clue (laughs) whom he helped write phony books. We have many great Republican members of Congress and candidates who are very supportive of the Make America Great Again agenda. Exquisite presidential leadership. Like me, they love the United States of America and are finally and are helping to finally take our country back and build it up rather than simply seeking to burn it all down. And that last line, rather than simply seeking to burn it all down is in reference to a, a, an interview that Steve Bannon gave either to the New Yorker or the Atlantic where he talked about being a Leninist and his goal was to burn the whole thing down so we could build it back up again. So Donald Trump knew that that was the kind of guy Steve Bannon was. Donald Trump knew this was his agenda all along. He still hired him to be the chief executive of his campaign. He still hired him after the election to have an office within the West Wing and be the chief political strategist. This is all on Donald Trump. You can't pass the buck here, motherfucker. This is you. Yeah. I I also, if you are on Facebook, go like the Facebook page. I doubt it with Delamore uh, yes. podcast. It's relevant that I'm doing this right now, I swear. There is a series of tweets that we posted of an interaction that someone had with a Trump supporter. And in that exchange, this person is um, trashing Steve Bannon. Okay, Calling him an opportunist like Donald Trump Jr. did. Yes, the Trump supporter is doing that. Yeah. And the person that's arguing with the Trump supporter goes back through the Trump supporter's timeline and finds a tweet from less than a month ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where this person was praising Steve Bannon, saying that he's like the future of the party or something. And here he is less than a month later on Twitter, trashing Steve Bannon. And you you wonder, well, where do these people think that they can um, get away with this? where less than a month ago they held this position about this person and now they're viciously attacking. Well, look what Donald Trump does to everyone in his inner circle. Exactly right. You know that photo of him at in the Oval Office behind the desk and it's Priebus, Bannon, Flynn. Uh, Spicer's there. Yeah, it's all the people that are gone. Yeah. They're all gone now. And most of those people Donald Trump has turned on. That's right. After calling them amazing people that they're being treated unfairly that blah 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 let, let me read these two tweets this is the difference and we're talking about 28 days like tw- 27 days, like four weeks yeah on the money steve is so di- this is the same person this is the trump supporter yeah uh well it, it's in response to donald trump jr who said steve had the honor of working with the white house and serving the country unfortunately he squandered that uh, that privilege and turned that opportunity into a nightmare of backstabbing harassing Leaking, lying, and undermining the president. Steve is not a strategist. He is an opportunist. This 
Ding Dingus says, on the money, Steve is so deranged, he actually believed Donald Trump's, Donald Trump's base would side with someone who ran the worst candidate in history that costed that costed us Uh-oh. a safe R seat in Alabama. And now he's granting interviews to partisan Dems. Bannon is dead to us. He has been for a while. Apparently that while was less in, than a month. <laughs> inside of 28 days. Because this is the tweet from well that last tweet was dated January 3rd. January 3rd. That's right. And I think the other one is December 5th. December 5th. Yeah. Steve Bannon will go down as one of the greatest conservatives of this century. Same person. He single-handedly, again, he single-handedly destroyed the rhinos, which means Republicans in name only. He single-handedly destroyed the rhinos. He single-handedly helped Donald Trump win the White House. And he is single-handedly getting corrupt Republicans to retire. He is the face of our movement. Is he the face of the movement? Or is he dead to us and has been for a while? Well, they're just following Donald Trump's lead. That is so exactly that's the thing. Right. It's a cult. Donald it's a Trump, cult. Donald Trump can get away with this. And so they believe they can get away with this. Yeah. Donald Trump can one day be praising someone, saying that they're being treated unfairly by the FBI. Bizarre. Um, and then the very next day, start singing a different tune. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders comes out to the podium and starts regurgitating whatever talking point Donald Trump just gave to her. And it you you watch this happen, and then it's, it's no surprise that his supporters are going to start doing the same thing. Donald Trump, baby! We got some Hillary bitches on here! Yeah, that's the guy. And that's so, not the guy from the tweet, but so, this is emblematic. This embodies the, the that 32%. This is who they are. Yeah. So I think it's good, like in that Twitter exchange, that that person wasn't allowed to get away with it. Yeah. That the person that was having a discussion with them on Twitter, I don't think they were rude. I think that it was... Just a screenshot. Like, oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. And like, here you go. You know, chew on this for a bit like think about what you're doing and what you're saying and what's going on in your head it didn't dissuade him though because i looked at his twitter account today and it's filled with the same kind of jackassery so what are you gonna do so anyway i want to play a a jake tapper who really he needs a goddamn award because jake tapper is single-handedly holding shit down over there at CNN, holding the president's feet to the fire and rationalizing, using logic and reason to to explain away, not explain away, to to lend a voice of reason to, to these uncertain bullshit times. He, he's, he's spinning this in a way that everyone can understand and uh, filtering the truth, all these this bullshit, through a filter of truth. This is a longer clip than I like to play. It's about five and a half minutes, but every single thing he says, he breaks the situation down and it is beautiful. Now, the reason he 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 is doing this is because today, because this is bra- rapidly breaking news, the president's lawyers sent a cease and desist letter 
this happened last night, to Steve Bannon, tell him to keep his mouth shut, and also to the publisher and the author of this new book, which the publisher said, yeah, well, you can take your cease and desist letter and shove it right in your asshole because we're going to release the book four days early and it's coming out on Friday. It's coming out tomorrow, today, Yep. for the listeners. Here's Jake Tapper. Cease and desist. That is the order from President Trump's lawyers this afternoon as they try to plug the explosive and even disturbing details erupting in excerpts from a tell-all book that will now be published tomorrow morning. Trump's lawyers have sent these warning letters to the publisher and the author, Michael Wolff, to try to halt publication, not for national security reasons, not for state secrets that put people's lives at risk, but because the reports paint such an unflattering picture, including savage quotes about the president and his family made by people that President Trump considered allies, or in the words of the president's lawyers, because the book includes untrue statements about the president that, quote, give rise to claims for libel that could result in substantial monetary damages and punitive damages, unquote. President Trump is demanding that the publisher cease and desist from any further publication of any excerpts or the book, and he is demanding a, quote, full and complete retraction and apology. Now, four facts here worth your consideration as you think about the story. First, it's easy for anyone to see why President Trump would be displeased with the content of this book. While we at CNN cannot confirm the authenticity of each line or anecdote, we can say, quite frankly, the book describes behavior that is upsetting and unbecoming of anyone, much less President Trump. Take what he allegedly said to his 29-year-old communications director, Hope Hicks. This was excerpted in British GQ today. Uh, And it's about rumors of Hicks' relationship with a former campaign staffer in which President Trump told her, according to Wolf, quote, you're the best piece of tail he'll ever have sending Hicks running from the room. That's a disgusting and misogynistic quote. President Trump not wanting that out there? That makes sense. So this is one of the many disturbing things coming out um, related to this book. But we wanted to pause it to talk a little bit more about this because Hope Hicks reportedly views Donald Trump as like a father figure. Well, that then that makes a lot of sense for him to say that because he talks about banging his daughter. He talks about the the thing he has most in common with his daughter is sex. And I'm not sure why Jake Tapper didn't say the name, but he's talking about Corey Lewandowski. Hmm. Um, I didn't know that. And I think it might be because he's married. And so the, oh. the claims that they might have a relationship or might have had a relationship or whatever um that you're you'd be the best piece of tail he's ever had yes what god damn unbelievable i mean it's not unbelievable but it's unbelievable come on but and this is our second fact this book was written with the full cooperation of the white house just a few minutes ago white house press secretary sarah sanders attacked the author michael wolf's reputation for accuracy Uh, In terms of the merits, I think it's pretty clear. I don't think we have been uh, tiptoeing around our feelings on this. It's completely uh, tabloid gossip full of uh, false and fraudulent claims. Yeah, but the time to make that assumption was before you agreed to cooperate (laughs) with him. It's worth pointing out, Michael Wolf spent months listening and taking notes and recording and watching from West Wing couches at the invitation, or at the very least, as he says, the non-disapproval of President Trump himself. White House staffers cooperated. They're quoted all over the book. 
It's worth noting that the president's attorney is also threatening to sue Steve Bannon, the former confidant and senior strategist of the president's, to whom Wolf attributes much of his most scathing quotes. Now, the third fact here about this letter. Based on the president's track record, this threat of a lawsuit is almost certainly nothing more than an intimidation technique. Oh, I always like to threaten to sue reporters because I think they're among the most dishonest people I've ever dealt with in my life. Notice the key word there, threaten, threaten to sue reporters. Wolf and his publisher are now in good company. President Trump has previously threatened to sue CNN, The Washington Post, The New York Times, The Associated Press, comedian Tom Arnold, a 92-year-old Scottish widow, reporter David K. Johnston, Art of the Deal co-author Tony Schwartz, Governor John Kasich, Senator Ted Cruz, oh, and all of the women who accused him of sexual harassment and assault. And that's just a small sampling, and those are just lawsuits because of criticisms those people made about the president in public, to say nothing of his business deals. The president almost never actually follows through with these lawsuits, and it would be very difficult to win a libel suit, especially to block this book prior to publication, which will be tomorrow morning. Lastly, let's all take a step back here. It's remarkable that the president of the United States is in any way trying to stop publication of a book, breaching the right of free speech and freedom of the press that we have in this country, just because said speech, to be candid, hurts his feelings. Not for a national security reason. And in fact, from what we know about the president's furious response to this book, it seems that the quotes from Steve Bannon are what has upset him the most. The quotes. Although just a few minutes ago, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders said this about the book. Uh, in terms of the merits, I think it's pretty clear. I don't think we have been uh, tiptoeing around our feelings on this. It's completely uh, tabloid gossip full of uh, false and fraudulent claims. Tabloid gossip full of false and fraudulent cr- claims. That's what she just said. Let's just take one second to note something. The man who during the campaign cited a supermarket tabloid, the National Enquirer, to ask why reporters weren't covering Ted Cruz's father's non-existent ties to the JFK assassination. That man, the very same person, is now objecting to tabloid gossip full of false and fraudulent claims. Now, Trump's lawyer's letter states that since, quote, the book admits in the introduction that it contains untrue statements, that it will not be difficult to prove actual malice, reckless disregard for the truth. Now, that introduction does state that, quote, many of the accounts of what has happened in the Trump White House are in conflict with one another. Many, in Trumpian fashion, are baldly untrue. Those conflicts and that looseness with the truth, if not with reality itself, are an elemental thread of the book. A very interesting observation in an introduction to a book that is a piece of nonfiction purportedly. But this is the fundamental problem here. If malice can be proven for Wolf, it can also be proven for President Trump and for all the president's men and women who cooperated with this book. I'm going to have to, after the fact, deliver a taking care of biz there for Jake Tapper. Mm -hmm. That almost could be said of everything he ever does. He fucking, he's a solid character who does good, unbelievably um, beautiful work, important work over there at CNN. I mean, I have an affinity for Anderson Cooper, but Jake Tapper is heads and shoulders above his peers. He should just walk around feeling fantastic at all hours of the day. Yeah. I mean... Like, I'm Jake Tapper. <laughs> right. 
I'm taking care of this. So, so anyway, he he held the feet to the fire. There's going to be a lot more to come out on this, and we're going to talk about it. The unfortunate thing, again, not to be a bummer, is that there's just no way to get answers out of this White House. Yeah. People can ask Sarah Huckabee Sanders all the questions that they want to. She he doesn't... won't even appear on fucking... In before the press, it's it's on TV monitors and prepared statements. Yeah, she she won't answer the questions. He's not answering the questions. No one is answering the questions. The top Republican lawmakers are acting like nothing is going on. Like exquisite there's, presidential leadership. Like there's not a problem here. Um, Brittany, there's not a problem. And exquisite I, presidential leadership. I just don't know if they think that they can ignore it and it will get better or go away or I don't know. I don't know. I'm very confused. And it's only the fourth. It's it's only... (laughs) Right? It's only the fourth. Uh, I know what crazy is. I know all about crazies. He knows all about it, Brittany. So listen, let's end the show. It might be a multiple-time award for this individual. I'm not sure, but maybe. Brian Kilmeade. He for sure has been asshole of today before. Yeah, so if you don't know who he is, he's on Fox News. He's the beady-eyed little freak who's one of the hosts of Fox and Friends. He is on Fox and Friends. He is the one that is not Ainsley Earhart and not Steve Ducey. He's not this person. What about the majority? I'm so tired of protecting the minority. And he's not the string bean, the tall string bean dude. He's not the blonde one. Yeah. Yes, he's not blonde. So he uh, had two individuals on his program, and they were talking about Robert Mueller's grand jury. Now, I don't know if you heard about this report, but the New York Post, um, there were anonymous sources that told the New York Post the demographic of the grand jury. Why don't we... Let's let Kilmeade say what he's going to say. Okay. And then we'll put it in context. Okay. Here is... The asshole of today, Brian Kilmeade. From these investigations is there's absolutely no evidence of collusion, none whatsoever. We found out that there's a couple of people who who have gotten in trouble for what they said to investigators about an investigation. We have found out no, absolutely no evidence of collusion. And Emily, if you you want to get to the bottom of it, they can't be hardened by the story in the New York Post today that says one of the people that was asked to testify in front of this grand jury, they they described the jury as the people that would would appear at a Bernie Sanders rally. So it's not (laughs) even emblematic of something that might be uh, perhaps demographically pursuing justice. But lastly, I want to end... (laughs) Demographically pursuing justice... It's one thing to say they look like they'd, they'd be at a, a Bernie Sanders rally, but to say that it's not emblematic of someone who is demographically pursuing justice, what exactly does he mean there, Brittany Page? Well, according to this anonymous source, 11 of the 20 jurors are African-American. It's a D... It's a, it, it, the, 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 the grand jury is impaneled in Washington, D.C., Right, which um, 
I believe, I don't know if it was last, um, the latest census. Yeah, I think it's the latest census where nearly 48% of residents identified as African-American. Yeah, so that's a that's a reasonable j- jury makeup. Yeah, it seems to be representative. This person yeah. seems to be saying that it's unfair in some way. Uh, they This is the quote. The grand jury This, this room is the quote from... From the anonymous source in, in the, the New in York, the New York Post. Post. Yeah. The, the conservative... New York Post. Quote, the grand jury room looks like a Bernie Sanders rally. Maybe they found these jurors in central casting or at a Black Lives Matter rally in Berkeley, California. Um, Of the 20 jurors, 11 are African-Americans and two were wearing, quote unquote, peace (laughs) T-shirts. So there weren't enough MAGA hats on the grand jury. Is that what this idiot is saying? And this is another quote. There was only one white male in the room. He was the prosecutor. Wow. So these, this person is... I thought Donald Trump's killing it with his African-Americans. This person and Brian Kilmeade seem very concerned that there are not enough white men on the grand jury. And as Brian Kilmeade put it, that they are not going to uh, demographically pursue justice. <laughs> demographically pursuing justice that that, it's an egregious idea (laughs) unbelievable you know what there's been a lot of times historically where uh demographically justice has not been pursued where in fact it's been all white men on juries today that shit happens and what happens no one says a word especially not white men because oh yeah we got that shit handled we're taking care of it yeah, so uh, something bad, okay? Uh, <laughs> something not very nice to you, sir, because that is ridiculous. No, I'm serious. It pisses me off, especially yeah. I just read an, um, an article in the New York Times about a woman. Uh, I'm trying to find the article so I can pronounce her name correctly because I do not want to pronounce it wrong. Um, well, let me just say that while you're looking for this. It's absurd for him to be able to say that there. He could look at the jury and tell there weren't enough Donald Trump support. How the fuck do you know? So if I was there with my short cropped hair, your military b- haircut, yeah, big white guy in the in the in the jury room, mm-hmm. I'd be. Oh, okay. He's one of he's one of us. He's a MAGA guy. No, what, what the fuck does that even mean? Well, would you be wearing a peace T-shirt? Well, I don't even own a peace t-shirt, <laughs> but no. So no, I wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, it's just weird. Anyway, go ahead. Reese Taylor, um, I believe is her name. R-E-C-Y. Um, she was raped in 1944. And the New York Times told her story. And uh, she just uh, passed away. She died at age 97. And she was raped, but she never got justice for her rape. And... Um, the reason for that is because of the jury. Because it was in the South, too. Yeah, and it was all men. It was all white men. And even though some of... She was gang raped. And there was at least one of the rapists that admitted to this. And so even though you had people admitting... Um, Confessions. Yeah, to their crime. Yeah. Two all-white, all-male grand juries refuse to indict these men. And that's even... An indictment doesn't mean they're going to be found guilty. Indictment just means, yeah, there's enough evidence to go to trial with this. So a jury can decide 
whether they're guilty or innocent. Yeah. That didn't even get to happen. So I'm glad that Brian Kilmeade is so worried about justice for Donald Trump. Demographically. When stories like this, probably, they didn't even probably talk about this Not woman. Not a fucking chance they talked News. about that. And this seems like something that needs to be remedied, right? We don't need more white men on the jury, okay? We don't need more. We need a representative cross-section of America... To have a jury of your peers. That is the way it works. Yeah. Brian fucking Kilmeade, you beady-eyed little freak. Ugh. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. So I have one more thing. This anonymous source said, quote, that room isn't a room where POTUS gets a fair shake. So again, the assumption being what? That because there are more African-Americans than white people on the jury, that they can't be fair. They can't be fair. They can't be free thinking. They cannot uh, think past the fact that they're black. Like that has anything to do with the decision-making process of finding uh, there to be evidence or no evidence to move forward with indictments. It just this whole thing pisses me off. And then you have Brian As Kilmeade, and then you have Brian Kilmeade <laughs> repeating this on air with that ridiculous phrase. Demographically pursuing justice. Pursuing justice. Beady eyed little freak, Brian Kilmeade. All right, we're gonna end it there. We appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Listen. We're going to be here Sunday, 6 p.m. Los Angeles time for those uh, Patreon supporters at the $10 and above level. Um, if you want to get in on that, there's still time. Go to Patreon. Go to dollarmore.com slash Patreon and uh, sign up. We'd love to have you there. It is a good time in the chat room. And uh, you get to see the sausage get made. So that's a good time, too. We love you guys. We appreciate you. If you have something to say, I didn't drop the phone number. But if you, if you have a voicemail you want to leave, you have a question, you have a comment about anything we've talked about this episode or any other, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you. We appreciate you. You guys, keep the lights on, and we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been... I doubt it. No, thank you. I know I'm going to send the shit out of that video. (laughs) Okay.